This is day three together of our look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to look at verses 20 to 25 today. First 19 verses of this chapter, we've looked at what I call the edification principle, that one of the questions I have to ask in worship is, how is it building others up? And we looked through these four questions that Paul asked at the beginning of this chapter. Who am I speaking to? What good is it doing for others? Is it about just my spirit or is it about my spirit and my mind? These questions that all have to do in the end with who's being built up. Is it just me or is it also others? Now, there's a second principle that Paul begins to talk about in verse 20. And I want to call it the maturity principle. Now, I know we're talking about tongues and prophecy and which gifts should be used and when. So I realize that maturity is a loaded term when we're talking about which gifts should be used. Am I saying that, for instance, those who would want to use the gift of tongues in a worship service are immature people? No, that's not what I'm talking about here at all. The maturity that I'm talking about here is not in the gift, but in the use of the gift. And in Corinth, they were showing their immaturity in their worship in the use of the gift of tongues and also in the use of the gift of prophecy, we're going to find out later, and also in just the way they spoke to one another in the worship service. So there is a maturity principle in what happens in a worship service. Paul talks about that in verse 20. He says, brothers, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. Now, this is one of the great scriptures in all the Bible about good and evil. In evil, be infants, in your thinking, be adults. Maturity is, in evil, I'm an infant, in my thinking, I'm an adult. Maturity is not understanding evil. Maturity is actually refusing evil. Some people think that being mature, being adult, is understanding evil. I can understand all the evil in the world. I understand all those awful things that people do. I understand what all those words mean. I've studied this. I understand what all those actions are. I understand evil. And so there's this idea that if you don't understand all the evil in the world, somehow you're innocent, somehow you're immature, somehow you're like a babe. But the Bible says, in evil be infants. That actually is maturity. It takes more maturity to say, I don't need to learn about that than to feel some kind of insecurity about yourself that says, I've got to learn about that so that if the guys or if the ladies talk about it, I understand all that evil that's in the world. Get rid of the idea that in order to be mature, you have to sow your wild oats. Or to, to be a man of the world, you've got to be somebody who's really been around. Maturity, Christian maturity, has nothing to do with understanding evil. Now, you may have made mistakes in life, and you may understand some things about evil that you wish you didn't, but the truth is that has nothing to do with your maturity, and God can take and he can forgive, not only forgive, but also he can bring purity into your life. This idea that knowing more about evil is going to make us like something better, we've struggled with this idea from the very beginning. The serpent told Eve in the garden, you can have knowledge of good and evil. That's why you should bite into that apple, whatever that fruit was. And Eve bit, and Adam bit into it. This curiosity about evil. We tell ourselves, we're just going to look. We're just going to have one taste. And then, like Adam and Eve, our world comes crashing in. So in evil, be infants. But, Paul says, in your thinking, be adults. You show maturity by saying no to evil. Abhor what is evil. You cling to what is good, the Scripture tells us. But then you think like an adult. Being innocent about some evil things, refusing evil things, doesn't mean you have to think like a child about everything Paul is saying here. And he's saying you're thinking selfishly. That's how children tend to think. What's good for me? What do I want? In worship, Paul is saying you have to be concerned about maturity. You have to be concerned about the maturity of those speaking 
And you also have to be concerned about the level of maturity of those who are being spoken to in the worship service. So let's look at both of those and what Paul says about that. First, he says, he's already told us, you have to be concerned about the maturity of the speaker. He says, don't be thinking like children. So when you use your gifts, don't use them in an immature way. And all the spiritual gifts, the the spiritual gifts that we looked at in chapter 12 this last week, whether it's speaking in tongues or it's prophecy or it's teaching or it's helps or it's administration, whatever the gift is, there are some ways that you can see immaturity in the use of those gifts. Two main ways we see immaturity in the use of spiritual gifts are what some have called gift transference and what I would call gift insistence. Gift transference is the immature feeling that everybody else must have your gift. So if you have the gift of evangelism, gift transference is the feeling, if you don't feel as passionate about it as I do, if you don't have the same kind of giftedness and do the same things that I do, there's something wrong with you. Well, maybe they have the gift of helps and not the gift of evangelism. And with maturity, you see all the gifts are needed, but many times as a new believer, or if you're immature as a believer, you begin to feel like unless everybody has exactly the same gift that I do and sees things exactly the same way that I do, there's something wrong with them. You're not mature enough to see that all the parts of the body are needed. So with that immaturity, a lot of times people will leave a church because they can't find a church where everybody's just like them. Or they'll look all their lives for a church where everybody's just like them and be frustrated that something's wrong with the church. When the truth of the matter is, it's gift transference. There's something wrong, there's something immature about their thinking. Another immaturity with gifts is what I call gift insistence. And that is the feeling, the insisting that if you have a gift, you have the right to use it in any circumstance. So if you, for instance, feel like you have the gift of teaching, it would be uh, calling the pastor of your church week after week after week saying, I insist that I preach this next weekend. God's giving me this gift. I have to use it. Now, you probably wouldn't do that. But what people do tend to do is like in a Sunday school class, you'll try to take over from the teacher and try to start teaching for this teacher. You're insisting yourself into the situation. And maybe it is because you have that gift. But if you truly have that gift, you're going to be submissive to the other person who has that gift. You're going to be humble enough to wait for the moment when you should use that gift. And it's immature to insist in some way, no, I have to use that gift because I have it. Those are two ways that people are immature and they're thinking about gifts. And both of them were happening in Corinth. Uh, there were those who felt like everybody should have the gift that I have. And there were those who were insisting that they use their gift in any circumstance. And Paul is writing to say, you're being like a child in your thinking. You need to think about others. So that's the maturity of the speaker. Also in these verses, he talks about you need to be concerned in worship about the maturity of those who are listening. Listen to what he says about this in verses 21 to 25. In the law, it is written, through men of strange tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. But even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in a tongue and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, Will they not say that you're out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Now, before we talk about what Paul says here about the maturity of the listener, 
That last verse, God is really among you. That's where he's headed with all that he's saying in this chapter. That's what he wants to happen in worship, an experience where people recognize God is here. In order to do that, they have to understand what they're hearing. Now, if you listen close, as I read through these verses, verses 22, 23, 24, they get your brain rattling. It sounds like they contradict. Paul says tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers. But then a couple of verses later, he says, if someone who's an unbeliever comes in and hears you speaking in tongues, they won't understand, so you should prophesy. What is he talking about here? Well, you have to read it in context. You have to read the word in context. And the word unbeliever in verse 22 is the person who does not want to hear, who wants to not hear the word of God. You see that from verse 21. He says, these are people who will not listen to me. The unbeliever in verse 24, same word, but a different unbeliever, is someone who's heading toward belief. They've actually come to church. So, and you know this in your life. You've got people in your life, they don't believe in Christ yet. There are some who are headed towards belief. There are others who totally are rejecting belief. And the unbeliever in verse 22, the person who doesn't want to hear, Paul says tongues are a sign for them, which actually causes them to further turn their ears from the faith, to say, oh, this is ridiculous. I don't want to listen to this. This actually happened with a different use of the gift of tongues, even voices that people could understand languages they could understand in Acts chapter 2. There were those who said they're just drunk. They didn't want to hear it. So the giftedness actually caused people to turn away. They were afraid of the supernatural. There's some who believe that the gift of tongues is used primarily to draw people to Christ. But if we understand what Paul is saying here, actually the gift often reveals the spirits of those who are rejecting Christ. And so because of that, Paul says, the public worship service is not the best place for the use of this gift. He says, there's another kind of unbeliever. The unbelievers in verse 24 are heading towards belief. They've come to church. What will tongues do for them, he says? They'll just think you're crazy. So what about prophecy? If you're preaching, they'll be convicted. They'll be called to account. Their secrets will be disclosed. You know the feeling of that. That's the feeling you have in church when you feel like the pastor's been reading your mail. How did he know to talk about that? It's actually the Spirit using the gift of prophecy to speak to your heart. And because of that, he'll fall down and worship, declaring God is here. That's what it's all about. That's where God wants to head us in worship. So wherever you are in your day-to-day, wherever you're sitting right now, let's take a moment to worship. And together, Lord, as we talk about worship this week, we don't want to fail to worship you. So we say right now, God is here. Wherever we are right now, God is here. And we pray this next week when we walk into church, that we would sense through our spirit, God is here among us. And in that, God, we would sense your power. By faith, we would see that. Let the giftedness that's being used in the church, whether it's through music or preaching or whatever, testimonies, let the giftedness that's being used lead us to that. God is here. God is here among us. So Lord, whatever I walk through today, let me remind myself that you're here. And as I walk into church this next week, let me remind myself you're here among us pray this in your name. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to look together at a third principle for healthy worship. (laughs) 